Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Cherry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast. We are on our final episode in the series, More Than a Blur, Making Motherhood Matter. This particular broadcast is sort of a continuation of what we talked about last week. Last week, we were aiming our eyes upward, focused on this verse in Colossians where Paul is centering us on the reality that our life is in Christ. We looked particularly at these verses. Set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What does life look like when your life is hidden in Christ? That's what we're talking about today. I had to answer this question just last night. It's sort of an odd question to answer when you think about it. Not that we shouldn't be able to answer it. It's just a little odd. We don't stop and think about it that often, which is a problem in and of itself. What should my life look like in Christ? What should yours? I think a life in Christ would find Jesus so magnificent, so worth it, that he would become the reason and motivation in all of living. He would be the very foundation of life. He would be the foundation of your home, your existence, so that in all practical purposes, God becomes the foundation for the home more than the concrete slab or the walls that hold it together. Everything you have, everything I have, my job, my children, my relationships, everything you have, all stem from this foundation. Yes, that would be the beginning, wouldn't it? Our life in Christ. It sort of makes sense. We use these words to describe God serving this central purpose in the lives of Christians. We tell people Jesus is the Lord of my life, but does it resonate into the marrow of our bones? Does it actually work its way into the fibers of daily living? Is it real? Is he your life? Is he my life? Because if and when your life is hidden in Christ, and if and when my life is hidden in Christ, you and I begin looking different in our neighborhoods. (laughs) We start making choices that our neighbors wouldn't make. It can be embarrassing. We can look narrow and out of step with the culture. I might drive a different sort of car. My kids might wear different clothes. We might make all sorts of different choices with time and money and habits, language and hobbies. When Christ is your life, in most neighborhoods and circles of regular people, you are going to stand out like a flock of flaming pink plastic flamingos in the front yard. You won't be missed. (laughs) If you have any experience with this or have simply thought about these representations, Percussions. It doesn't sound inviting, but it does resemble exactly what Jesus calls discipleship. Christ as our life is nothing short of true discipleship. Today I want to bring this down into the neighborhood, through the doors of our houses, into our living rooms, our kitchens, and right onto the counter. This is where the rubber meets the road in my life. I want you to know, I struggled writing this one. There is so much hesitation in me to put anything out there to you about parenting because we're, we are still deep in these trenches. Frankly, 
I don't know how it's going to turn out for the majority of my own yet. What business do I have giving any pointers to someone else? I have written, recorded, revised, rewritten, cut, edited, etc. this particular episode. You see, at the end of the summer, we will have four days in the strange house when we will have six teenage daughters. Six, spanning 13 to 19 years of age. That in itself creates challenges, but discipling all these teens to live life with Christ as their very life in today's technological age presents some unique responsibilities. When you and I live in a world where children are toting devices in their hip pockets more advanced than what was used to put a man on the moon and being issued laptops instead of books from the time they are barely double digits. We need to understand we can't raise our children simply like you and I were raised. At the same time, we don't have to feel beholden to the cultural norms either. Instead, we are charged with raising Jesus lovers in a digital world. The psalmist says it well, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. That's Psalm 127.4. It's easy to skip over this verse without thinking about the implications. What does a warrior do with arrows in his hand? He aims them at the correct targets. He doesn't shoot at random. He aims with skill, purposefully and thoughtfully. You and I are aiming arrows. The target is for your children to become Jesus lovers who too live with Christ in them. That is the mission. But our culture is also on mission. In fact, we might feel as if the world is against us and our purposeful aiming in discipleship, and we would be correct. You can easily pick up on the subtleties if you sit and watch even a Disney Channel sitcom or anything like it. In the midst of the storyline, you will learn that by the tween years, parents have less and less aiming influence over the child. We are to turn this influence over to the friends and to other outside influencers. They are to take over the aiming, and the child is now able to make their own arrow directing decisions. The tween is free to act obnoxious, rude, have complete freedom with their phones, computers, and rooms. Parents are expected to stand back and with an empty bow and watch or be accused of spying or invading their space. Not accepting the new normal the teenager has created for themselves is threatening and the kid will rebel if you try to pull in the reins. The parent must just accept the behavior of the self-directing individual and likely pay the bills for it all. You will not find anything like what we are expected to accept as normal and ordinary development through our culture's eyes in Scripture. We want to aim teaching, discipling, and building trust. As that trust is built up between growing child and adult, there is a scaffolding effect. Gradually, responsibilities are earned because they are respected and handled well. Not because they age up and everyone else is getting to do such and such. When lunchtime arrives, it's going to be a natural handing over of a bow of their own to begin aiming for themselves. If you and I do not fight against what's being thrown at our families to accept as normal, head on, we will not raise children who truly love Jesus and understand how to navigate their digital world. I'm not saying we're going to raise perfect angels here. We're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. But we're aiming towards godliness in what we're trying to do in this process. Mom, you play such a key role. First of all, you and I must lead 
by example. In all that we discussed today, the buck begins and ends with us. If you are irresponsible with your phones, your children will have no impetus to be more responsible than the example set before them. In terms of social media, screen time, and what gets the green light, all these can be habits emulated and instilled by you and by me. Before we get there, we have to have a plan. Or maybe you're like me. We are in the middle of this. Part of mine are engulfed in cell phone usage. One is already out managing her own life and I still have several to launch into this season. We are still learning. Technology changes. If this topic is in any way an aspect of your world, know that I'm here. I've got to have my A game on or I'm going to lose the battles and possibly wars I can't afford to lose. What I do and choose not to do matters. It likely matters in your daily life and the daily life of someone you care about too. Where do we begin? How do we raise Jesus lovers in a digital world? First of all, it's a heart issue. Does the Bible speak to technology, Facebook, and cell phones? Well, no, not specifically, but yes. Yes, it does. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We can talk all day about apps and firewalls and whether a 5, 9, or 13-year-old should get a phone or not. But at the end of the day, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue on your part, too. It's how we grow as disciples of Christ. It's how our relationships, including our marriages, not only survive, but thrive through the years. You and I have talked about taking care of our own hearts and developing the relationship with the Lord He longs for us to be experiencing during these mom years. But we also need to spend this time pouring out what develops during that time into our children. Constantly, we should be moving their hearts to become more tender or sensitive towards Jesus. Before we can do anything to help them successfully navigate through the deep oceans of technology in their lives, we must aim them toward developing a heart that beats with a longing for wave after wave of the fullness of God. The second thing we have to do is navigate this ocean of technology. There are several elements elements I think are of particular importance for moms. These fall under our jurisdiction as much as the average preteen and teenager would like you not to believe. You are indeed in charge. You don't have to be a tech junkie to be discerning in these areas. You and I have a God-given responsibility to become educated consumers of what our families are encountering and try to anticipate what kind of deep waters they will darken. Therefore, we do not enter blindly, handing over the remote or the devices hoping for the best. Pray for wisdom. Educate yourself from trusted resources. Make decisions together with your spouse if you are married. Do not rely on non-Christian guidelines and standards to set your boundaries. If your guidelines and standards match the ones set out by the culture, you may be way too lax from a biblical perspective. Allow me to just brush over one issue. It's not something I want to focus on today, but because so much time is spent here, I feel it needs to fit right under this issue of the heart. You want to ask yourself and those that you are making decisions with, what are we consuming media-wise in terms of TV shows and movies and gaming devices? And you want to take stock of that for yourself. Know what is in the shows. How violent are those games? What does James Dobson, for instance, say about these? I line up on a very 
very conservative side of this coin. You will probably say we are living in the dark ages over here at the Strange House. We have decided not to give certain things a front row seat at the Strange House. But even this doesn't keep the evil out. My point here is simple. You and I have a difficult job as it is with what the culture bombards our family with. We don't need to throw out the welcome mat and hand it popcorn. We'll we be criticized for these choices? Yes. Will it be difficult to say no when there's something you and everyone else in your house want to do or to see? You bet, but it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. When you and I stand before God and give an account for our time on this planet, our choosing relevance or personal desires over obedience will not stand the fire test. Psalm 101.3 says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. This is definitely a modeling issue as well as an aiming issue. My kids are going to need to know the whys behind these actions. That's why the heart issue comes first. We must help them navigate what they're gonna encounter with their peers who ask them about what they've seen and what they haven't seen. We have to help them navigate these waves. Across the years, it looks like scaffolding a skyscraper. As the project progresses, less and less of the scaffolding is necessary. The structure can stand on its own. And the arrow now belongs to the responsible young adult. And they can make these choices on their own. That's what it's like for us. The next tool I think you're going to have to have in place to raise Jesus lovers in this digital world is a parental monitoring system. If you have devices in the home, you are probably going to want to invest in this to administer privileges, give access, and responsibilities for those devices. There are a number of apps that are available and the best option really depends on what you're looking for in terms of capability and service and really what type of devices you have, whether you have an Android or an iOS operating system. We have used NetNanny. Norton has a good one. There's one called lock to learn It's got some pretty good reviews. There's also one that's called r which I learned through some friends, and it's free, so that's another option. We've chosen to use one called Custodio. They basically all work about the same, so I'm gonna tell you about the one that we have chosen because I understand it. <laughs> you download the app and you pay whatever the fee is that you want to pay based on the service that you have selected. This allows the parent to apply all sorts of checks and balances like browser filters, access to apps, a visibility to social media accounts, and screen time. It also has other helpful features like, like a panic button and, and a tracking function. Basically, each of my kids has an icon. If I press on their icon, I can see, limit, and monitor their activity. I can also change the privileges from my device. It sort of feels big brotherish and very overbearing, but it's not. It's part of this aiming process and responsibility that you and I have. For example, every child in my house is learning to cook, but I don't bring them down to the kitchen, throw them in the middle, turn on all the gas burners, and give them a bunch of knives and say, congratulations, you are now ready to cook. Get busy, I'll be back for dinner later. That's crazy, why would we wanna do that with a cell phone or a laptop? And that's what we do. Our kids know that we have these checks and balances in place. We talk to them about it, they know what we can see, they know when we look, and they know why we have them in place. Part of the reason is this trust and responsibility building relationship in this 
notion of technology that we've talked about. And part of the reason is also to give them something to fall back on. When something is going on at school or with a group or with a subgroup of friends that's not appropriate and they want out, we are always their way out. They can say something like, do not send me that. If you send me that, my parents are going to know and they are going to know where it came from and I'm going to be in big trouble and so are you or something like that. Or I can't go there because my parents are going to know. Yes, they are because they are going to be tracking me and they're going to be able to blame it all on me. I'm going to take the fall for it and I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely fine with uh, being the bad guy. Now, if you discover that you have issues in this area, then you'll have some areas to pull in the reins a little bit. But if you have discovered that there's not that many things going on and the discussions are very boring, there's not a lot of things you need to monitor with, those are also discussions you can have with your kids and say, I'm noticing you're being very responsible with your technology, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's very good progress that you can demonstrate with them as you're using these monitoring systems. Now, there are some apps that you need to know about. There are always new apps being developed and you need to keep up. Every few months, Google it, then look it up on the app store, then look at other things people who shopped for that looked at. I can always point to the diplomas on the wall to prove to my children that I am smarter than they are <laughs> and if they seem to forget. But actually being savvy in their world, more savvy than they are, helps more than the degrees um, hanging on the wall. These apps that I'm about to give you are not going to be up to date necessarily in a few months, but today here is what I know. The first one is, is Instagram. Be concerned about Instagram. It's not completely harmless, particularly the private messaging aspect because it can be hidden and deleted without you tracing it. The second one is called Kik Messenger, K-I-K Messenger. It's a kind of messaging that bypasses your wireless SMS service provider, which means it's not necessarily going to be caught by some of these firewalls and it won't show up in the history. So if you've got someone wanting to use this, or if their friends are using it, that would be a major red flag and you may need to pay attention to it. Kick Messenger. The next one is called Calculator and at the end of the word calculator it has a percent sign. It's just an icon that looks like a regular calculator. It looks like a calculator app on your phone which is very scary because that's what it's supposed to look like. If you press on it, the app holds a secret vault of photos and videos that's password protected and it's hidden. You can't see it when you press on it unless you enter the password. So you want to beware of something like that. The next one's kind of like it. It's called Secret Folder. It looks like a group of apps together and you have to know the order of tapping the apps in order to open the secret area of the hidden videos and photos that are on there. The next one is called Yik Yak. It's a free anonymous bulletin board type display, but it's location sensitive. It goes out to the closest 
500 geographical users. So a person can post something anonymously and it goes out to the closest 500 people who are signed up for this app. It doesn't have to be true, which makes it a perfect environment for bullies and predators. Users, beware. Now, I think this is a good time to just throw in two bonuses I did discover when I was preparing. Bonus number one, when one technological guru was asked, when shall we begin giving smartphones to our children? They had this to say, and I'm paraphrasing, as late as possible. (laughs) Of course, they need to know how to use them by the time they can pay for the data themselves and by the time they have a job. But anytime before that, the benefits do not outweigh the risks. And this is not coming from a person who holds a biblical worldview. It's coming from someone familiar with the newest statistics, who's seeing the ugly, who understands the risks and the costs involved and feels the weight of the industry, the risk outweighs the benefits. So that's just something to keep in mind as you consider what technology to give your children. Smartphones, and we take that very seriously at our house. Bonus number two, set up a technology contract. I found this while I was doing some research. When you're ready, decide what are your non-negotiables. How do you want this relationship to work? What are your expectations? Where do you want to aim your children in this vast ocean? What do you want them to be able to do when the contract is over? Or whatever time you determine. Think about these things. Draw them up. You might even have your kids think about the same kind of things and come up with a joint effort That way, everyone's sort of on the same page. What institutes losing the phone? Those kind of things. How much time is reasonable to be on it? We did not do this in the beginning, but we just talked about it in our last family meeting, and we're going to restructure since we've got a whole set of users that are coming up in the next probably three years to regroup and make some changes and adaptations. I think it's a good thing. The last part is don't keep them out of the ocean. Don't keep them out. You want to scaffold this. You want to teach them how to navigate. You don't want to keep them out. Keeping the technology from them is not helping. They don't need secret vaults and bullying sites or untraceable messaging capabilities. Teach them to navigate these digital waters. Just like I'm teaching mine to cook. It's a slow process. It's intentional. It's time consuming. A lot of time is easier just to do it myself. In this area, there will always be an easier way. But our job is to aim arrows that love Jesus and are fully able to live in Christ through a digital world. That brings us to the end of our series, More Than a Blur, Making Motherhood Matter. I just wanted to end on a very practical, real-world note that all of us are going to have to be facing many times over. I hope it has been helpful and brought you to a closer understanding of how you can live in your present content in all that God's called you to do during this season of life. If you'd like to hear more, you can find the series on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or the She Yearns website. Thanks for coming along. It's been a great ride. I look forward to being with you again next time. you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber and it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing our resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter 
or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.